Talk. Talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Good morning. Coming to you today from rainy Northern California, I have uh, my guests Phil and Yin Johnson with us to talk about social networking, PIs, and the world. But first, we have to offer the blast from the past historical question. And the question is, uh, do you know the name of the official paper that was published in the beginning of 1885? This was an official reg for the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the National Bureau of Identification, the Interstate Sheriff's Association, the Associated Association of Railway Special Agents of the USA and Canada, and for private investigators. So what was the name of this official paper? And we'll answer that question at the end of the show. So do you use social networking sites? Are you using Facebook, LinkedIn, Plaxo, Twitter? If you do use them, have you considered them for more than just for your family and friends? Widely traveled British private investigators, Phil and Yin Johnson, have crafted the use of social networking sites to a fine art. Phil and Yin have been operating JJ Associates International for over 24 years, and Phil started at age 14 in an office where his aunt worked. Yin trained with a mentor. I don't want to tell you too much because they're going to tell you their own stories. Phil and Yin are widely traveled and work through a network of investigators they've established through their travels. They are here to tell us more about how to use social networking processes. Good morning, Phil. Good morning, Francie. How are you? I'm good. Good morning, Yen. Good morning, Francie. Thanks for having us on the show, and good morning to all the listeners out there in um, the USA and around the world, and especially the UK. Thank you. I guess it's not morning where you guys are. Um, No, it's in the afternoon. In the afternoon, okay. So, Phil, um, let's start with you. Tell us how you got from starting as a private investigator at age 14 to being a social networking aficionado? Um, well, really, I had a, a, a grammy when I was 14. Uh, my auntie gave me the uh, opportunity of a lifetime, really. She uh, fulfilled my boyhood dream of wanting to be a private eye. 
So at the age of 14, to work in a PI's office and learn it from the ground upwards was a, an absolute dream. So then I just have information. I've always loved information. So as technology moves on, I've just enjoyed every moment of it, and I still do day in and day out. Well, and how did you progress from starting out at 14 and working uh, with your, your aunt to... Um, becoming your own private investigation agency. Well, it was a very quick progression, really, because I had a um, my boss at uh, the detective agency was a strict disciplinarian, and he he got uh, every minute you had was working. <laughs> so, so he um, he insisted that we learn the ropes. I learned shorthand and typing. Uh, I went out with a, an investigator who was my mentor. In fact, several of them. Um, he even had me going out, knocking on doors, um, carrying my suitcase and, and going on the bus because before then I, I wasn't able to drive. I was only 14 and 15. Uh-huh. And you were already... I so young that when I knocked on somebody's door, everybody was, oh, yes, how can I help you? <laughs> oh, that was good. And so yes. this was with the Tyus Detective Agency? Tyus Detective Agency. Ronald Irving Tyus was... Uh, uh, police inspector um, through the 50s after he retired from the police um, and he was in charge of the aliens department in England which all the Asians Muslims, Pakistani, Indian Ukraine, Polish were all coming into the country to work This was right after place all our guys who were after the war had obviously they didn't get home Huh, and so uh, Ronald Tyers was the owner of the agency. Yes, he was. And this was in Bradford, uh, the UK. Yeah, Bradford in West Yorkshire, right in the middle of the woolen area, Francie. It's a very heavily woolen area where it was all manual labor. Um, and, yeah, lots and lots of people working in the mills. Not so much now. Uh-huh. And then, so, he was a, he was a tough taskmaster? Was he? Oh, very much so. Yeah, you didn't have a minute with him. You, he was constantly supervising, which, you know, um, long term has done me some good. <laughs> it's helped us develop our business and a, a sense of discipline. What kinds of things did he stress, Bill? Um, loyalty, timekeeping, every single thing. We had an open plan office back in 1967 just so that he could hear what was going on with everybody. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. And he insisted that you learn how to type and take shorthand and, and all yes, those things, too, and didn't he? That was one of the best things he ever did for me because I can recommend it. In fact, that should be on the national curriculum of every education department throughout the world. Keyboard skills are essential. Uh-huh. And were all of the people that worked for Ron Tyas, were they all former police officers? Yeah, most of them, well, just a couple were uh, fairly academic, but the outside operatives were all former policemen and one military guy who, uh, who actually uh, came over from the next town over Leeds. He'd been in the military for some time and he started his own agency and then came and joined uh, Tyas Detective Agency. Interesting, interesting. And then um, the kind of work you did at that time was what, Bill? Well, it, it, the, the kind of work we did, he was um, the instigator of keeping credit records, Francie. Um, he was the forerunner of Experian and Equifax. All the records were kept on paper. 
Um, he used to record all the county court judgments, which were public information. If anybody got into debt and had a county court judgment, he would record it. And he was actually three. He had three million uh, paper records in 1967. Wow, which was huge. That was huge. And then what other kind of works did they do? Was it um, just uh, debtor work? Um, tracing mainly, tracing of absconders for all types of reasons, not just debt. Uh-huh. We got a lot of beneficiary work at that time. and We had to go and pound the streets because obviously the technology was not there to, uh, to help like it is today. So having you with your suitcase knocking on the door to locate a debtor was a pretty good uh, way to do oh, it, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that worked 99% of the time, Francis. <laughs> and I got lots of cups of tea. It was great. Now, you were not able, or I, I understand still, you're not able to work on any kind of a criminal case. Is that right? No. Well, it is, it is a direction that some investigators do take. But, you know, the ex-police officers in England, really, once you've um, handed your warrant card back, that is, that is literally it. So criminal is, is not really a, a side that, well, most investigators in the UK pursue. Mm-hmm. I would think possibly if you had got to a, a, a high-ranking level in the police force, then you may be asked as a consultant at some time, but not to actually work uh, hands-on, so to not speak. Not to work as an invest- a criminal defense no, investigator no. like we do in the United States. Oh, no, it's totally different. I mean, obviously, <laughs> we've been over them there many times and travel there regularly, and we realize it is so, so different. Okay, all right. So um, what was privacy like at that time? Uh, privacy was, well, it was a very strange privacy because, actually, if you were a debtor in those days, the local shops used to just put your name and address in the window. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would happen many, many times. If you didn't pay your newspaper bill at the local shop, your name and address went up there as a bad debtor. Uh, Things have changed dramatically now, of course. Well, they have changed. And you you might talk about, uh, if you would, Phil, just um, I think you have an idea of the difference in privacy laws between um, particularly Europe the UK, but Europe also, and the United States. Oh, yes, I do, yeah. yeah. Quite a considerable difference. I mean, the, the data protection in the UK, um, very, di- very difficult in some ways to get it across to people who are, are not from uh, England and Europe. Is Literally, if you, if you telephone a, a company and ask to speak to somebody or make some inquiries about somebody, the first thing that the telephone operator will say to you, well, unfortunately, I'm not allowed to discuss that uh, because I would be contravening the Data Protection Act. I see. I see. So it's very, very difficult, very difficult indeed. And, I, and I'm aware, I believe that um, like a, a criminal filing like we would have in the United States where we go to the courthouse and look up criminal records, would yes. not be available to you folks. It is not available at all. Crimi- criminal records are available to the person whose record it is, but again, that has to be done through the Criminal Records Bureau uh, to employers who apply for it, but great sanctions are taken to make sure that that information is only passed to people who are entitled to it. Uh, and anybody who may work with children, of course, Okay. Um, the criminal records are available, but again, not easy to obtain 
at all. And certainly you can't walk into any courthouses or police stations or anything like that and ask for the information. You would really just be shown the door. Interesting. Interesting. So proceeding through your your history. Yes, indeed. Um, Ron Tyus passed away, and then you started your own agency, correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, I started my own agency almost immediately after uh, Ronnie passed away. Um, because I'd been with the agency for some four and a half, almost five years, I had all the contacts from all the finance companies, solicitors, etc., and I told them that I would be starting an agency on, in Western South Yorkshire uh, immediately, and on the first Monday that we opened, uh, I had 350 new cases arrive by post. My the mailman was not happy. <laughs> I bet he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, um, they were waiting for somebody to take over Ron Tyus. Well, yes, yes, indeed. It's just it was an area thing. You had to cover so, so large an area because of the data sources and things like that, technology, then it really was getting out in the car and going and knocking on doors, really. And then when did you become a police officer? Uh, very late on. Uh, I was only a police officer for some eight years, from uh, 1979 to 87. Uh-huh. Uh, very sh- short space of time, really. I was uh, walking the beat, so to speak, in Bradford in West Yorkshire. Uh, which did seem to be the murder capital of the North at that time, <laughs> or of England. Um, we were kept very busy with things like the Yorkshire Ripper and the Black Panther and things like that. It, it was incredible, such a small town um, had <laughs> so much criminal history or criminal uh, inhabitants, should we say. Yeah, it does have quite a, uh, a ring to it. Everybody knows yeah, about if you Yorkshire. Google Bradford, you will, you know, and put in things like uh, <laughs> murder and criminals, you would be staggered, uh, the figures that come back. All right. Phil, um, we need to take a break here. Stay tuned for more conversation with British private investigators Phil and Yen Johnson. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. 
NCISS, and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Bill and Yen Johnson are with me today to discuss the use of social networking sites, but we've been talking first about um, their background, and Phil was just talking about that he had been a police officer for the Bradford Police Department for eight years, and that's where you met Yen. Is that right, Phil? Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's where I was lucky enough to meet Yen. You were lucky <laughs> enough to meet Yen. That's very nice. <laughs> it just makes me laugh every time he says that. Say that again? <laughs> It makes me laugh every time he says that he met me. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very sweet. Um, Yen, tell us about you. I, now, first of all, I know that you, um, for you, before you were ever thinking about being a private investigator, you were a diver in the England Olympic team, or you were working toward being that. No, no, no. I was... Um... I was a coach, a swimming coach, and I coached a non-swimmer oh, I to see. become um, a diver in the Olympic team for England. I see. That sounds exciting. Um, yeah, it, well, it was a lot of um, early mornings and late nights at the swimming pool and um, endurance swimming with the, um, with the kids, um, but it was very enjoyable and fulfilling um, both as uh, a fitness regime and also um, for the kids to succeed in, in a sport and to become fit and healthy, um, and it, hopefully for the rest of their lives. For sure. Is that what you were doing when you met Phil? Uh, yes, I was. And um, because I had a personal fitness regime, um, I saw this, um, shall I say, a little overweight and unfit man, but um, <laughs> obviously he had something there that I was attracted to, and um, I encouraged him to um, keep fit, and um, well, that's over 27 and a half years ago now. I see. Um, so uh, from, from swimming coaching, um, we had an opportunity to... Um, take a, over a business from a contact that Phil had um, just as he was leaving the police. And um, so I, I also am very much similar to all the PIs in the world, a second career PI, 
um, because I suppose my sports career was my first career mm-hmm. and having, um, shall we say, retired from that, I no longer do that. Um, the same as all PIs, former law enforcement or in the legal profession or in the military. Sure. And then at some point you became, uh, you worked in a law firm, is that right? I had a, a mentor at the law firm that um, was very kind enough to take me on as his trainee and I learned um, different sections of litigation and the law as we know it in the UK mm-hmm. um, and all the formalities that go with um, court attendances and the procedures that are needed, the dates and the times that it takes for documents to be um, issued and obtained for litigation use in the legal um, departments. Sounds like great training. So I understand... Hard work, yes. Right, hard work. And I understand you're quite a photographer, Yen. I enjoy photography and um, I've been able to um, take my hobby around the world with me. So a camera is uh, not far away from my fingertips and um, I click away and um, with digital photography now, um, it's a lot easier without having to um, take all the 35-millimeter films that we used to take and be be frightened of the X-ray machine at the um, security um, section of the airports. Um, A little um, SD memory card does the trick. That's true. That's Yeah, that's very true. And so you did a lot of... uh, surveillance and things like that? Yeah, when we, um, when we established ourselves as JJ Associates International, um, w- one of the areas of work was um, the surveillance side. And although Phil did that in the police, um, I really took over that um, type of work which is known to you in America as workers' comp. Mm-hmm. Um, all our matters in the UK were third-party claimants or um, insurance fraud matters, um, so very similar um, to in the US. Um, and in the early 1980s, just with the mobile phones, the video cameras were the size of a, a large briefcase, and I used to um, oh. trek around the streets or in a vehicle operating um, such camera to um, take and obtain film of the claimants. Right. And I I also understand that you are fluent in a few languages. Um, I'm, well, I'm trying to be fluent in English, American. (laughs) (laughs) We all are. Um, But my family um, originates from China in the South East and in Hong Kong. So I do speak um, Cantonese um, fluently, um, probably um, of a minority now in the UK and of my age group, as the younger people um, tend to speak English or the native language in the country that they're brought up in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have knowledge of French, German, Spanish, um, Portuguese now, um, Italian, um, all the, the Latin languages are very similar. So if you um, master one of them, you've got an idea of the others. I see. That's great. That's a great 
a great talent to have as a private investigator, for sure. It's helped me with our international matters. it's, It's been great for that. And also, as a female, um, starting what what year did you start out working as a PI? It was 1987. 1987. Yeah. I can imagine there were few uh, private investigators who were women in yes. 1987. There was probably a handful of former police officers or former um, legal um, workers. Um, in the UK, um, but it's really funny, at that particular time when we started out as um, JJs, and there was a, a television show on in the UK, and um, for the British listeners now, they will be all shouting at the radio or online now, there was a series known as The Chinese Detective. Oh, really? So I, it was quite funny when um, people found out that I was a PI. And they would say, um, oh, like the guy on the TV then. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) So you've taken over as a Chinese detective. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I, I suppose I fit in in the stereotypical group. If I have my camera, certainly out and about, I just look like a tourist. So I don't really get questioned or I don't feel conspicuous Uh if I'm out on a case. And that would apply to any country, I suspect. Yes, it does, yeah. It does. The more cameras I have around my neck or in my hand, it's it's actually better. That's great. Well, um, and then you and and Phil joined forces and created Uh JJ Associates, which has now become JJ Associates International. Uh And the two of you set out to travel the world and meet as many PIs as you could possibly meet? Yes, we did. Um, Purely and simply because um, with the onset of technology, um, the business for all PIs changed and um, information was available online, but you still required the local knowledge of a person in a particular city or or country. Um, So we just took the opportunity that instead of driving so many thousands of miles each in the UK um, that we would collect some air miles and go to countries where we we wanted to travel to and um, meet up with the PIs there and um, then we would be able to um, request their services when they were needed and um, had a good push on international matters and that's how we've worked so far. And what year was it, Yen, that you start you two started doing that? Um, it was probably in the early nineties. Um, we certainly came over to the USA um, in um, ninety three, I think it was, Phil. Yeah, it was ninety three. Um, we we um, were on a skiing trip to um, Vermont, and um, we put out a message on a listserv. Um, for PIs in the area of Vermont, in in the state of Vermont, saying that two PIs were coming over for um, a skiing trip and if there were any PIs in the Boston Mass or Vermont area or New Hampshire, we would um, love to meet them and exchange stories and um, see if we could um, just um, see how PIs worked in a different country. 
And um, we got a great response, and we're still in touch with uh, Robert Edwards and Anita Bobby in Vermont, mm-hmm. Peter Barton, and uh, with Bernie Goulding over in Mass, and who, they're all names that in the PI world I'm sure we all know, mm-hmm. um, and they've been a, a great font of knowledge for us, just like the PIs over in California. And the, the listserv you were talking about that you put this out on, this was a trade association for that area yes. for private investigators, right, that mm-hmm. you put the message out on? Yeah, just a, a, very similar to a message board that we would see online now, and I suppose that was the beginnings of the social media networks that we know today, and they're still used by our business now, the listservs. Oh, yeah, you're right. It would have been a message board, not an email list. Mm-hmm. I guess that's yeah. right. In '93, we didn't we didn't know about email lists then. No. <laughs> and now, of course, you've taken the two of you have taken that um, to all kinds of things that are now called social networking. So, how did you get involved in using things like Facebook? How did that happen? Well, Facebook. Um, is the word of the minute, I suppose. Um, We're all used to Google as a search engine, um, and we're now using the word Facebook and the site. Um, I mean, they've made a film of it. We've yet to see it, but um, they've made a film. And um, the the social media of Facebook is um, a website to, um, to keep users in touch with their friends and um, we use that as we travel and to network with people who we've been in touch with and um, it's just a source of information for places where you're going to visit or um, even down to um, the local cinema at a new town that you sh- you can visit. You can just put it in the search box and um, up pops the information in front of you and we find it very useful. Well, this is all new to me. I want to hear a lot more about it. Um, so more about the international use of social networking after the break with Phil and Yin Johnson. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. 
IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Do you use Facebook or LinkedIn? Plaxo or Twitter for your business, private investigators Phil and Yen Johnson do, and they are here to talk about it. So we were just we were just talking about beginning to talk about Facebook. So yeah. tell us about Facebook. How do you how do you use Facebook for um, operating your business? Well, with Facebook, you can um, obviously make a page for yourself personally. And lots of people have done this. In fact, there's over 600 million active users um, listed um, on the website since the beginning of this year. Um, So it's been a successful launch for Facebook since 2004. Um, So everybody starts off with um, building a page. So I suppose you need to um, do that, Francie. And um, you can post on there your photographs and um, a little bit of information about yourself or a lot of information about yourself and that's where sometimes it can go a little, shall we say in, in our terminology and slang, a bit iffy and dodgy um, you need, everybody needs to realise that Facebook is out there, if you type something in your status, which is your little message for the minute or the day, mm-hmm. um, it's out there on the web. Um, right. And it's the same with your personal information. We're all very um, keen to fill in little boxes for our name and our address and our date of birth. And um, it's all information that's recorded in, the, in cyberspace. So if you don't want anybody to know, you, do, you don't put those pieces of information in. But anyway, on the plus side, um, for a business, you can um, obviously do the same for your your business, say like PIs Declassified or as we've done, JJ Associates International. Mm -hmm. And then you fill in just as you would do your website. So you can put in any information that you wish um, to advertise your business and it comes up as an information tab. And then um, you can post things on your message board at any time you wish. So if you wanted to tell people, as we have for today's show, um, in our status we would put down that we were on 
PIs be classified today at 9 a.m. 9 Pacific? And then we'd give the different times for such as the UK. And um, then we've also, um, at the side, you can do what they call banner adverts. So you can actually use it as a, a full website for yourself and run it alongside your own website or a blog. And it's very similar to that. Is there a cost for the banner uh, advertising? Yeah, it's a click-by-click charge, I think, by Facebook. But um, as Phil's saying, we we don't um, use any of the banner adverts. I personally don't like them myself, so I find them distracting when I'm working on the line. Mm -hmm. So we just use use the main page as as the, um, the page to connect with people and um, to show what services that we do and where we are and what we're doing. And what does posting on your wall mean? Um, it's, uh, people who use Facebook will know the, um, the three, three or four tabs that come along the top of your page. Um, and it's just a toggle. Um, it's a status. Um, so it's where you can put in, type in a statement. Um, I mean, my last statement in my status for today was was made 43 minutes ago. I'm looking at my page now, and um, I typed in countdown to broadcast. And mm. it can be as personal or as formal as you wish to make it. Interesting. And then... So we'll have to get you started, Francie, and uh, <laughs> get some statuses going up and who's coming on the show next time and things... Yeah. Things such as that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure, and I'm sure our listeners are are interested in and in ways that they can promote them their businesses too, uh, through That's this right. through this forum. So, um, how how has it benefited you? How do, how have you connected with people well, through we've, Facebook? We've connected um, with lots of people, both personally and through our business page, by. Um, sending them our Facebook page as a message and ask them to join us and like the page. And um, Facebook users will be familiar with the little chat box in the right-hand corner of your um, uh, screen where um, you can view who's online at the time and you can um, then click on their name and have online chat with them, um, just as you would with... um, MSN Messenger and the other mm-hmm. mediums such as that. But every time people log on to their page, um, it would come up, and that's very similar with the Skype that we all use and are familiar with. Um, the reason why it's a, a friendly user site is that everybody seems to be saying, well, we'll Google you or we'll look you up on Facebook. So it's really... If you if you don't do it now, it should be something that you you are considering. Is this taking if, the place of websites? No, it's not taking the place of websites because websites are still being used. And um, in the press today, today, well, this week, they are saying that if you have a website, usually you run a, a Facebook page alongside that. And you can, the, the easy thing with Facebook is that you can actually update a lot faster than you would do your website. Mm-hmm. You would have to ask um, the the host or whoever's running your website page to um, update a service on there for you, 
Whereas on Facebook, because you're the administrator, you can actually do that from sitting in front of your own computer. And when you click, if you get a message from someone that they want you to click on like, what does that mean? That means that you actually like their comment. Um, so it's like giving them a, a thumbs up or you agree or you've just looked at it. Um, and it's an acknowledgement. And where does that go? That goes next to wherever, like their message or their status. Mm-hmm. Or um, it may be that it's actually on their page. So if you're a new user to, um, say, your page on Facebook, um, I would get your message through onto my, my personal um, or business page and then at the top, next to your PIs declassified, there would be a thumbs up like, and you would, as, a, as the new user, the receiver of the message, you would click on there, and then it opens up that page for the user to browse. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, and I, with all of what happened recently in Egypt and how the uh, Facebook was really mm-hmm. the driver and Google was the driver behind the demonstrations there, we've all become aware how powerful these social networking uh, uh, forums are. I know you guys, uh, you and Phil, used it uh, to spread the news about Austin Weiss, who was missing in Spain. Mm, yes, we did. From the University of, uh, was it University of San Diego? Or? Yeah, he was a, he's a, a San Diego um, business student, um, over in Madrid, Spain, for one year. Um, and one of the reasons we, we picked that, that it stood out on one of the message boards was that because he was from Carlsbad, California. Uh-huh. And we have obviously stayed over there, and it's close to our heart. And um, so we contacted um, the um, family and friends and said that we were investigators and we would be pleased to help them out by posting the mess- missing message of us- about Austin um, and help them just get the word out. Um, and that, that did help them because we, obviously we have been using Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and the other listservs for quite some time now and have built up quite a number of people that we're in connection with. And it's just like a big net um, one people, this pyramid effect just carries on from one person knowing somebody else, and you can reach out to thousands of people. Yes, and and you did that uh, for Austin Bice, and even though it didn't turn out the way mm-hmm. anyone would have wanted, uh, had that been a case of abduction or uh, somebody that was missing due to foul mm-hmm. play, spreading that information through the world through Facebook would have been very valuable. Yeah. It's, ju- it's just a, a quick um, medium to send messages out. They've done it um, recently with the earthquake in, um, in New Zealand and also with the earthquake and tsunami situation out in Japan where people have, although haven't had a phone line, some some places have still had Wi-Fi connection and they've been able to, um, with power somehow or other, get a message out without using the phone. So um, it's, it's a really good medium for, for things such as that. 
And then, uh, Yen, or maybe Phil wants to address this, what about LinkedIn? Well, LinkedIn, Francine, I've been on LinkedIn almost since its inception, um, and I call it the number one business networking um, tool. It, uh, 2003 it was launched was LinkedIn, and really, from a business point of view, anybody who has a business, not only should they have a Facebook page, but they should definitely create a profile on LinkedIn. All right, and how does that work? Well, what you do, you, cre- you create your profile. It's all um, password encrypted, so only you can create it. Nobody else can get on there. You just go on to LinkedIn.com and literally follow the, the instructions. And then you, you, you join or you um, meet with people who are like-minded, who are in the same business. You can join not just with individuals, but with different business groups. Um, all over the world, um, I'm a member of 50 groups. With, with LinkedIn, um, you can be a member of 50 groups before you actually get charged to use LinkedIn. My so we just substitute the different groups and keep changing them so that it keeps the content and the people who are associated with fresh. I can't it's imagine. It's a good source of <laughs> for whatever business that you're in. It can help. It could help with the education of your own business. Um, tools such as... Um, the, if, if you had a problem, say for a PI, you had a problem with a video camera or a, a mic, you could put a message on there in a particular group and you'd just get responses back. All right. Well, more from Phil and Yen in a moment and the answer to the Blast from the Past historical question. Stay tuned. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. 
Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations, who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Vasily is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday. Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili. Radio to thrive by. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll free right now at 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. The time has come for the answer to our blast from the past, thanks to P.I. Museum and its curator, Ben Harrell. The question was, do you know the name of the official paper published beginning in 1885 for the International Association of Chiefs of Police, the National Bureau of Identification, the Interstate Sheriff's Association, the Association of Railway Special Special Agents of the USA and Canada, and for private investigators? So the answer is, it was called The Detective, and it was published from 85... To, to the 1950s, and it was for a small fee. People could subscribe to it, and um, they often had it. was, I think, $12 per year. You got 12 issues per year. It was the state-of-the-art, well-designed, eight-page paper version of our Facebook blogs and tweets. That's per Ben Harrell. And um, they often had pictures of any people that were wanted. And um, let's see, they had uh, all kinds of uh, equipment, interested subscribers, training programs, seminars, new methods for dealing with lawbreakers. And every issue provided pictures of the bad guys. So uh, one article featured the, uh, one issue featured the International Secret Service Association. There's a directory of established detective agencies in 1931. And so it had all kinds of interesting things, articles by friendly politicians and public notices of uh, members' obituaries, things like that. This is what PI Museum curator Ben Harrell says. The difference between then and today is the detective was read by candlelight near a wood-burning stove, and today our eyes lock on pixels. I love that. Hmm. 
Uh, if you're interested in, in more information about detectives, spies, and private eyes, go to PIMuseum.com if you want to see these rare artifacts continue to survive, become a contributing patron. So back to our subject on social networking, and uh, we were talking about LinkedIn. And what you were saying to me, um, Phil, is that LinkedIn is really the one to use for business. That's the big yes, one. Yes, it certainly is, Francie. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I found it very, very useful uh, to connect with people in our business all over the world, uh, and it always has great information. And it's, it becomes a bit of a share um, capability, really. Instead of everybody hiding things from each other, they actually share and help each other, which we, we learned that philosophy from you guys on all our visits over there. Mm-hmm. And and that's really uh, true. So you, when you get um, when you get a call from a client on a specific assignment that is in another country or another area that you're not in, you connect with people through LinkedIn and Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yes, we uh, we have done that as I say since we uh, two thousand and four five. And we know the, the people, and the thing is that we know the people in these countries personally because that's what we've been doing these past few years, mm-hmm. is actually networking directly by going and shaking hands, meeting people at conferences. So we know the people, and uh, LinkedIn is, is a great tool in addition to that. Okay, and now let's tackle Twitter. Tell me about Twitter. I'll, I'll pass you on to the expert. That's Yin. <laughs> well, <laughs> put it this way: you get addicted to Twitter. Um, so we need to um, tell the the listeners that um, once you start tweeting, tweetering, shall we say, you become you become a Twitter addict, um, and it's a, a message um, network of people who are linked to each other, who follow people. That's the terminology that Twitter uses. So you follow different people, and you, ha- you also have different followers. Um, and each message that you tweet is a message of the maximum of 140 characters. So you have to be quite concise and direct. Um, and there's different... Um, obviously, the, the, it's like texting. It's a... It's a different form of um, messaging to each other. So are you actually Um, conducting business that way? You can do, yeah. Um, You might get a tweet from somebody saying, Hi, hi, Yin, I need to to talk. Um, And then um, they'll probably email you with all the details. That's the way that we usually um, use these sites. We don't usually... Um, detail anything over the um, airways, shall we say. Um, just keep keep it direct, and um, it's just to alert people, and then we talk privately between ourselves. Well, you bring up a good point that any anything you're doing out here on any of these forums is uh, possibly for public view. So since you deal with uh, a, a lot of confidential information, you wouldn't want to yeah, use it in that right. way. Yeah, we all have to be mindful that Whatever you type in your little box with your screen in front of you is not just going in there. It's going to um, a number of millions of places. There there could be different people um, connected to the the network, and it's just on 
Um, you can obviously people will know out there. Just change your settings and privacy settings are available on all the mediums um, to set them higher. Um, I mean, on Facebook, it's the, the security settings is for your friends or friends of friends or everyone. So you've got to be mindful and um, click on the right right one so that you don't give everybody your information. Okay. But I have to say, Francie, I think I mentioned this to you privately in a different conversation, all our information's out there as well. The, the little plastic card that we all have in our purses or wallets is the is the little card that has all our information on, and we give that out easier than anything else. The credit card. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, um, how do you get Twitter? How do you get notified? Is that in in your email? Is it in your text? Yeah. You you um, you, you start off a Twitter account by <laughs> linking on to the Twitter website and op- sign up and open an account with your email. And the, the great thing with these um, with these um, sites is that um, you, you all have an ID, so you, you've got to think up of uh, a Twitter handle. Um, and um, there's only certain character. There's only so many characters that you can use. So you, you've got to be like yours is PIs declassified, so that just fits in with the letters that are allowed. Um, and then from there. You tweet away. Okay. Type in the message box. Well, Yen and Phil, we are up at the top, at the bottom of the hour, the top of the hour, whatever it is that they call the end of the show. And (laughs) uh, that's flown. Thank you, Francie. Yeah, it's it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, And for our listeners, tune in as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth. Every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff, and management. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host?